Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're welcoming back Brendan McCaskill, a fellow Canadian game designer and producer at Oom Games. His most recent title, Mythwind, is absolutely exploding on Kickstarter. Brendan, welcome to the binge. How you doing? Hey, thanks for having me here, James. Doing well. It is awesome having you back. For those who don't know, a little quick little um, housekeeping. Episode nine. Yeah. You, you are like, this is episode 124. Whoa, and, that, yeah. that, that big, eh? Great. Yeah, 124. And you were here for episode nine right at the beginning. So on the initial 10. So I do it. Do appreciate you joining us back then uh, when we talked about uh, Stars of Acarios, which absolutely crushed it on Kickstarter. I know you guys did over a million in, in you know in total funding, but on Kickstarter alone, you guys hit, I think it was about 920,000. Yeah. Um, so it was very generous of you at the time to uh, to jump on our wee little podcast at the time. So it's awesome to have you come back when we've got a much larger audience and, uh, and chat about some of your new projects. So for those who maybe didn't go back to our back catalog and listen to uh, prior episodes, can you just give people an overview of kind of your background, how you're kind of connected to Oom Games, what that's, what that's all about? Yeah, uh, great question. So a while back, I, uh, you know, I, this is kind of a relatively new full-time gig for me, which is yeah. for the past two years. Um, but a while back, I was, you know, working a different job and I always enjoyed board games and stuff. And I loved Kickstarter and I was like, hey, it'd be cool to put a board game on Kickstarter like everyone else was doing. So I made this little game called Last One Standing. Uh, not like the, it's, it's an okay game. It's just not my yeah. favorite game. <laughs> but it's basically kind of like a, it was like a Fortnite knockoff, um, kind of first first to market in the board game realm. And we fu funded and raised like $28,000 or something like that, which is pretty neat. That's not uh, bad, yeah. And then, yeah, you know, for kind of first campaign, doing everything myself except uh, the arts, it was a real, real shoestring budget. Um, and uh delivered that which was fun and actually got connected with a, with a local guy in town who was starting up a board game company and just kind of had this invitation if i wanted to make games to to talk to him and I took him up on that offer a little bit uh, you know a year or two years later and uh got to make stars of acarios which was um you know fun and uh finishing up mass production right now and so really excited for people to get their hands on that it's just a massive box of sci-fi yeah uh, good goodness and then uh now now Mythwind's on kickstarter so it's it's been a wild ride and with your role so you at Oom games you you do game uh, design but you're also yeah. listed as kind of like a producer so is it kind of in the development side as well that you get kind of involved in that or how's that work yeah yeah so we're you know we're, we're kind of figuring it out where where i'm realizing my um my superpowers whatever the things that i excel at um are kind of where where idea meets community um and so there's there's this um I, I love kind of thinking of what i would like to play and it just so happens that the games that i would be interested in playing myself that i can't find are games that other people are interested in playing themselves but also can't find and then so yeah. that's so that's where i, I kind of see my, my strong point and uh and you know game design game mechanics i i i can i can do a lot of that but i've been learning that hey you know sometimes it's better to ask for help um and so even with uh with stars of Acarios. Um, for the people who you know were were there during the campaign, I think yeah. you know, seven seven or eight thousand uh, total backers at the end of the day. 
uh, they saw kind of this massive iteration um, from the beginning to the end um, on on a lot of different things. Like our team kind of grew. We got a lot of you know, we got writers, and then we brought in a really key play tester who who did a lot of hard work. And then our whole community was play testing. So there's like this massive iteration um, of the game that's like and the finished product is like so much better than what it was, uh, yeah. and that was because of more people involved. And so that's kind of what I'm what I'm learning. And so kind of all, all my projects going forward, I don't think I'll ever be listed as a solo developer again, uh, or designer again, but. I used to have a boss that would say to me, uh, none of us are as smart as all of us. Yeah. It's great. And I, and I take that to heart because it's so true, right? Like the, you don't have to do it alone. Uh, you know, like there's there, and there's so many people in this industry that are dying to get involved, right? Just, yeah. just give me like a little, uh, a crumb, give me something that I can get involved in, in, in the industry. Right. So, you know, certainly for, um, you know, game designers, or even developers out there, you know, they shouldn't be afraid to kind of reach out to the community because there, there's a lot of resources, a lot of help. There are a lot of smart people out there. A lot of people, that a lot of smart people, way more games than you could have possibly have played in your yeah. life that can uh, be better informed on how certain mechanics and things like that might work and how it might actually play on a table. So yeah. definitely a resource you want to take advantage of. So in this in this role at Um Games, uh, where you've been working on these games, which are these kind of big, chunky projects, right? Like Stars of Cardinals, mm-hmm. chunky game, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, Mythwind, which we'll get into in a couple minutes here, is you know is I've heard it explained as it's not too complex that you can't jump in fast, but it's narrative driven, right? So there's a lot, there's a huge world there, and so yeah. how do you approach these kind of projects when? you know, they're not quick development cycles, right? It's, it's, mm. it's, this is something that I imagine takes quite an amount of time to develop. So how do you, how do you approach that? And is it only one project at a time or do you, are you working on kind of several at the same time or, you know, what's your, yeah. what's your process? Yeah. So that's, you know, it, it is, it's an interesting thing because the games that I'm inclined to you know create are games that, um, you know, I want to experience and I, I want to experience like a, like an experience, not, yeah. not just like a session. And so, you know, it ends up being, being this big project for like, well, this is, when is it ever going to be just a 90 minute game that starts and finishes? <laughs> and I don't know, if, I, honestly, I don't know if I'll ever kind of make a game like that because one, um, I, I, I don't think I'm smart enough to have a, uh, like a, a, a tight Euro. Um, mm. that, that's, that's just not the type of game that I'm, I'm, I'm interested in playing those games, but not uh, not in designing them. Yeah. So as far as like the process goes, right? There's this there's this idea generation, and uh, thankfully have a, a fairly uh, you know my my boss kind of believes in me and my ideas enough. And and one of the things that we do, which I think more companies need to do, big and small, um, even if you're a solo designer, is to learn like the bare minimum about Facebook ads and do market testing before you even start design and development. Mm. Um, so I, what I do before I commit to a project and uh, I do some market research. So I, I, I get some stock art and I put it on a uh, box template. So it's that's nice 3D rendered box yep. um, with some stock art. And I throw a name on, on the top and then I advertise uh, with that name and I see if I can generate leads um, with a couple hundred bucks. And I've, I've done it long enough where I know what is a good kind of generation. You know, if people are clicking on it, then great. If people aren't clicking on it, then I was like, okay, you know, this idea, I might like it, but it seems like people don't like it. 
shelf it and then I don't you know commit so there's this there's real early proof of market um, hmm. practice which which I think is is great because a lot of people have good ideas but they don't um, they don't penetrate the market because you know there's just a lot of stuff going on so it's like hey does your idea actually resonate do people want what you are selling uh, want what you're making uh, and I know I, so that's the, we did that so I ran the first Mythwind ads. What, what what month are we in right now? We're in October, a year and a half ago. Wow. Um, the first the first Mythwin ads came on Facebook a year and a half ago, and it was only a couple hundred bucks. Um, but it was a it was enough of a hey, people are clicking at this at a, an enormously great rate, mm. um, and so that kind of fueled fueled the development cycle for it. Um, Let me. Pull, I just want to pull that thread. Yeah, just yeah really keep on quickly, going, please. Right, because that because this is this is fascinating right and this is the first i've actually had anybody on the podcast actually talk about this so so when you're doing these is it it's like a concept study is essentially what you're doing right you're talking uh, marketing terms um now is it just is it the theme you're testing or because when you have a facebook ad you can't really get too heavy into what the game is really no, about right so i think a, a question that any designer needs to be able to answer is um can you distill like it's it's your elevator pitch, but it's not even an elevator pitch, it's a one sentence. So, like for Acarios, you know, and you can be shameless. Acarios were like Gloomhaven meets X-Wing. Um, like everyone who's a <laughs> board awesome. gamer knows, oh, okay, so it's a big campaign game, but instead of having fantasy creatures, I have a individual ship and it's more dogfighty. Cool. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, so everyone can latch on, latch on to that. Um and, and with Mythwind, so so that's honestly my first ad, ad uh, advertisements for Cardos were that uh, Gloom, Gloomhaven meets X-Wing. Uh, and then maybe I had another line. Uh, with Mythwind, the idea came from playing Stardew Valley with my wife and a uh, video game. And um, uh, it's a real chill cooperative experience. There's no like goals or, or end. Um, it's mm -hmm. like open-ended. And it's just like this experience where there's like, you plant it's harvest moon. I don't know all these types of games if you're familiar with them, yeah. um, animal crossing. And so I'm like, um, do you, the advertisements, do you like Stardew Valley or animal crossing? Uh, this is the board game for you. Um, that that's it. So it's like, it's that concept and it's being able to be like, Hey, you know what, what is the ethos? Like, what is the feeling that the game is going to elicit? How can I provide a reference point for that feeling so that people can latch on to it? And then, um, and then hopefully that kind of rolls from there. And then, uh, so I've, I'm sharing the screen so people can see this. I mean, just right off the hop, I'm not even going to skip past the very top header here where you're over 890,000 and finding yeah, more than 7,700 backers, still 17 days to go. I mean, I, I don't want to curse it, but like, I'm sure you guys are thinking the, the, the mill ski, right. Or thinking the, this thing's going to cross a million, you think, or what? Yeah, I, I think so. Especially with the, uh, with the last, typically the last kind of 48, 72 hour bump. Yeah. With that hockey stick. So can you walk us through this game? Um, so it, you describe it as this kind of asymmetrical co-op board game where you live the life of an adventurer, pioneer in a whimsical fantasy, persistent world. Span that out for us. What does that mean? Yeah. So Basically, Mythwind is a game where each player takes on a unique character. Uh, you might be the farmer, a merchant, woodsman, crafter, um, and uh, each character plays very differently. 
they have their own mechanics, their own set of things, but all characters contribute to the town together. So you're, you're invited into this kind of magical valley, Mythwin Valley, um, by these creatures called sprites. And they invite you to kind of help um, build this town in, in their valley. And so you, you go about doing that. Um, each character kind of does that in a little bit different way, but you go about expanding your, your town's population and your buildings. You're, so you get this kind of tableau builder. Um, and we have this, uh, you know, there's this narrative element that kind of goes through everything. And we've, we've been working hand, like hand in glove with game trays to actually mm-hmm. create different, um, different trays that are more than just like, hey, put everything in this tray and then go from here. No, the, the tray is actually like your play space for each character. And so that when you finish the game, you can actually just close a lid and, and, and put it in a box and leave. Um, so my, my goal is like set up and tear down in, in under two minutes. Um, every kind of main component is, is ready to go there because and when, when I initially pitched this idea to, to my boss, he's like, oh, it's kind of like the, uh, the bonsai tree of board games, right? So it's like, you know, bonsai trees, you, you take out, you tend it, and then you yeah. put it back. And then the next day you take it out, you tend it, you put it back. I envision people playing Mythwind in you know, a similar way. You know, some people might have it kind of laid out on their, 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 uh, their table for, you know, for a while. And they're just playing a couple turns every day almost um, like a puzzle you know, maybe, you'd have sitting uh, yeah table, yeah right? treating it a little yeah. bit like a puzzle where they're like you know progressing the story progressing their characters um other people might uh might kind of play it by themselves to start and then pack it up take it over to a friend and continue the story because the characters and the town are actually acting independently of one another so um you can kind of hot swap you don't have to play with the same four people every every session uh, the town's progressing independently of the of the characters mm. themselves. So that's you know it's 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 this it's an experience I haven't seen in in board games before, um, and uh, I think it's I think it's really neat. This whole idea of it not really having any winning conditions. Can you explain that? That, yeah. might, be foreign, that might be foreign for some people, right? <laughs> it's, it's foreign for everyone in the board game world. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> uh, I was getting this question a lot um, leading up to the campaign. Yeah. And I, I posted a um, kind of like, I don't know, a, a massive post on Board Game Geek about uh, why isn't there an ending or win condition to Mythwind? And then I, I addressed three questions, right? Why doesn't the game end? How do I win Mythwind? Is my playing of Mythwind aimless? Um, you know, the kind of three, three questions to hopefully satisfy. And then the, the idea, you know, at, at, the, at the heart of it is there are goals and objectives for players to work towards there's content to unlock there's characters to be leveled up um but if you're playing the game to uh you know typical cooperative games are players versus the board right pandemic there's Mm -hmm. a pandemic and players are trying to squash the pandemic so that the world is saved Um, at the end of the game you either won by you know eradicating the pandemic or you lost by the whole population of the world dying in, in Mythwind, instead of playing against the board, you're actually like playing with the board. Um, so there's there's not like this this massive challenge to overcome where you either win or you lose. So even if you you know fail a goal, yeah, you might be um, pushed back a few steps, but you can kind of keep on progressing and, and going for it. And and there's this thing if 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 you're a player that needs to beat your friends in a game um you're not gonna you're not gonna like Mythwind. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's it, you're just not gonna like it it's a cooperative experience um where it really relishes the journey and like kind of like a um, minor destinations along the way 
um, but there's no like one set, hey, reach here and, and you won. Um, there are different moments where you're like, hey, yeah, I, I unlocked this new thing. Cool. Um, you know, I've checked off this achievement box. Cool. But there's no like, I'm finished. Cool. Um, it's, it's just a different experience. You must eventually run out of story elements, though, or do they just keep recycling back into the... Yeah, so some of them um, recycle a little bit, with you know, some standard ones. Uh, but as far as like the main kind of trunk of the story, uh, yeah, it, it eventually runs out. Um, just like any open-ended game, there is sure. a point <laughs> where you're like, there's no new story to to continue. And, you know, at that time, players either continue playing and they just are happy to go through the motions and, and continue using the character, or you can easily just kind of reset and start again from a different route. And then how you play also creates certain streams of yeah. story as well, right? Like your story is actually different depending on how you play the game. Is that, can you yeah, explain totally. that a little bit? Yeah, totally. So, so there's, uh, there's this kind of emergent narrative deck, um, event deck that, that happens um, in the game. And so uh, as players are playing, different events get drawn. And then the, the deck feeds itself based off of how the players have built up their town. Um, so, you know, a real minor one, there's four town resources, there's income, production, uh, culture, and food. And so one of the first kind of event cards that, that pops up says, if your culture is higher than your production, then shuffle in uh, these two cards into your deck. If your production is higher than your culture, then shuffle in these two cards in the deck. Mm. And basically what that is going to reflect are the choices that you've made in your town to, you know, build certain buildings that increase your culture production. Um, and, and then the, the story is going to unfold differently um, because of how you've interacted with your town. Instead of it being like a, um, do you want to do this or do you want to do this? It's less like a choice given to you in that moment as opposed to a choice that's reflective of the uh of the choices you've already made you talk a little bit about the artwork i'm showing it on the screen here and I yeah mean, it's, it's awesome right it, it's awesome <laughs> there's no other way to explain it the minis <laughs> are amazing they're pre-print they're pre-painted are they these minis no they're not um there's there's a big asterisk saying that they uh, they come unpainted i'll let um, me look for that asterisk but i mean even painted they look phenomenal and i'm sure yeah, a lot painted, of people love painting these yeah they're they're uh they're fantastic uh yeah so our artist uh, uh lead artist is this guy named uh dan wing and then mm. we have a uh you know, co-artist amanda um i always i always mispronounce uh, her last name amanda uh, cadets uh both of them really really talented dan has a you you actually won't be able to find much of his information online but he has a long resume of dreamworks and pixar wow. disney and a lot of he's worked on a lot of fun projects um everyone will have seen something of dan's probably uh, without them necessarily knowing it. So uh, it's yeah, super high fun. quality. And did you guys have like an idea of the style and look like when you were doing your testing right online, where you threw kind of a box together and some mock artwork, was it a lot in, in this vein at all, or was it a completely different style and they took it in a different direction? Yeah, completely different style. And actually I had hired a different artist, um, that did a project. So you can actually um, it, was, it was pretty cool. I'm trying to like look for it. But anyways, I, yeah, I hired a different artist um, and it wasn't capturing the vibe of what I wanted. Mm. Um, yeah. So actually, if you Google Mythwind, Mythwind Valley, you can actually see, um, see our initial, well, no, you can't, but uh, there's, there's an initial piece floating around, which didn't capture the, the vibe we wanted. So shifted. 
And if people want to play this, they can check it out on uh, Tabletop Simulator as well, right? If they want to do like a like a yep. pre-play. Yeah, our, our, our Kickstarter prototype um, is up there unfinished. There's a, there's a handful of like known errors. You can read the FAQ below it. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, when you have a campaign like this that is doing the kind of numbers that you're doing, and, you know, I've, I've been following this a little bit before you guys launched, you hit, like, I think you had like 15,000 pre-signups Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in your kind of pre-notification page, which is just massive, right? Yeah. How do you get there? Obviously, you have, you've got the history of some other large titles you guys have built, which you can build off the backs of those. But is there any nuggets you can kind of throw out there for other developers or designers looking to do their game of things that you guys know that you did really well? Yeah, so like I can't overemphasize that initial like market research enough. Um too many people create too many cool things that people don't care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and that's like, it's, it's really tough. I see all these, like, I see a lot of neat projects that go online um, that are cool. And I know people have invested hundreds of hours. And I guess that's, you know, there's, there's two different ways of thinking about it. Cause there is the way of like, you know what, I'm just going to design this. Right. And I love this idea. I love this concept. So I'm going to kind of design it for me. Um, and that's cool. And there's something like really neat there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for us, when we, you know, invest a couple hundred thousand, because that's kind of what our, what our development budget yeah. ends up being, right, with, with our team, it's like, hey, you know, are, are people hungry for, for this type of project? So um, that's the thing. And, and, you know, there's different kind of different levels of scale, but I actually think anyone, any scale, even if it's just like a solo developer can, can do that. If they're interested mm. in, in Kickstarter route and like, Hey, are people going to like be interested in my game? Um, and then ultimately it's like, it's kind of like three things. The first thing is like the getting people in, which is Facebook ads. Um, you know, the second thing is making sure that they have a place to go to, which would be Facebook groups um you know board game geek page and then lastly it's making sure that you're you're engaged where people are um and so it's it's you know in in a sense it's 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 our it's a funnel uh mm-hmm. where you know we we try to get as many people into our groups as possible and that's yeah discord facebook group those are kind of our two main things and then i i'm very active and and you know nathan and i were, were very active in those groups kind of leading up to launch um, and getting people excited uh, because you want you want your kind of like evangelist um, there on day one uh, to click back now uh, so that it's it spreads. So it's a little bit of like you need money to to invest. You don't need a lot of money. Um, yeah. And and we actually I didn't cross promote this with Acarios until a month ago. Um, I was very intentional, and and we actually we have a very small overlap with the Stars of a Carlos wow. audience, which it's just like kind of a bummer in some ways, but it's a completely different game. Um, plus, that game hasn't uh, hasn't delivered yet, so I understand people are like, you know what, I'm gonna wait till Carlos gets delivered before jumping in on this one. Yeah, it's very, uh, I mean, completely different genres, right? Totally <laughs> different games, different genres. So, um, and I think it's a good point. I was talking to somebody the other day about this, where they said, you know, you need you know, you need a lot of money to, to launch a game of your own, right? It was a, it was a, as a designer I was talking to. Yeah. And, you know, the conversation quickly went to, well, yes, if you want to hit some of the big numbers, right? Uh, there's mm-hmm. the more you invest up front, the bigger you're going to have that initial audience. Um, yeah. If you want to have a higher profit margin, the more of your own funds you put in up front, 
um, you know, the higher profit margin you're going to have versus, you know, simple one would be doing um, uh, social media amplification, right? Yeah. Um, there's services you can use where uh, providers, um, you know, they will fund it and they will take it out of the funds when the campaign finishes they're going to take a much higher percentage than someone that says, no, 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 we'll manage it for you, but it's coming off your credit card, right? That that's going to be a lower margin. So there's different ways you can try to kind of play with those ratios, but ultimately you still should be able to launch a game on Kickstarter. If you're a budding designer out there looking to do your first project for very, very little money, right? You've got, that's the whole point of crowdfunding is you've got a platform where you can go and get pre-orders before you go and spend a boatload of money. And there's tons and tons of tools. We've covered a lot of them off on this podcast as well of ways that you can shorthand your costs on, uh, on putting together uh, a game, right? Something that's commercially viable. GameCrafter is a perfect example of that as a way mm-hmm. to you know, create prototypes. Um, you, know, you could do uh, fulfillment even, quite frankly, through GameCrafter if you have a very small number of backers. So you're not going to make as much money. But if your goal is to just get a game out there and yeah. kind of get your feet wet, that's definitely a viable option to go. What are, I know in the past you've used some um, social media amplification companies. Uh, are, what, what are you guys doing now? Are you doing mainly internally now, managing your Facebook ads? Do you guys still use third-party providers? Yeah, so we, uh, we partnered up with BackerKit for, okay. for our pre-launch and, and our launch. Yeah, and, nice. and it's going okay. The pre-launch is, went, went well. Um, during launch now, there's, yeah, it's fine. Um, pre-launch, was, pre-launch was good. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's who we're using right now. And is there any other types of marketing that you guys, so you, you mentioned discord for people out there that maybe don't even have discord on their radar. How important is it? Would you say to people that, you know, discord uh, and to kind of get into that ecosystem? Yeah. So I saw this chart the other day it's, it's called the 99 one rule. Mm. So 90% of people are onlookers, 9% are commenters. 1% are creators. Um, so if you're listening to this, you're probably in the 1% of creators. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the 9%, those are the people that you need to convince, convince. Um, cause those are the vocal ones. Those are the vocal in a positive way, vocal in the negative way. Those are the ones yeah. commenting, rating on BGG, on discord and all these things. And so you have to find out where they are and for board game people, it's Discord, Board Game Geek, and Facebook groups. Those are the three places where, oh, and Instagram. But uh, you can, you, it's harder to foster community on Instagram. Um, mm. And and so those, you, you have to go to where they are, and you have to make sure that those nine percent um, like you, right, and 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 trust you, and yeah. especially if like you're a first timer, um, it's like, hey, why am I, you know, shelling out fifty to hundred bucks on on a project of yours? Um, you know, make me believe you. And so, you know, being open and transparent uh, and free with information, I think is really key. Now this game is over a hundred dollars Canadian. Um, yeah, it's expensive for your, for your base game. Right. And so did you guys market test that as well? Clearly, obviously it's not an issue because you've got some giant numbers and a lot of backers, but yeah. going into this, that's always a risk, right? Did you guys uh, market test that as well? No, uh, no, it was, it was market research we're looking around at, you know, other companies and what they provide yeah. and, you know, what they don't provide. And the reality is actually, I actually think the hardest part about being uh, an independent, and, and I, I wouldn't say we're an independent board game manufacturer anymore, but like, if you're a solo person, hardest part now is your margins are so thin, especially with shipping. 
it's yeah. like it's bonkers i would have like with last one standing you know raising twenty eight thousand, we did a print run of a thousand sold 500 on kickstarter we um i would have lost so much money if that was today uh on it uh where it turned out i like broke even on that yeah um but i was sure like container costs you know being five times as much as they were um you know five years ago or whatever that that's insanity yeah it's great i just went through this on a uh earlier podcast that we had done uh, about a month ago i was talking about how when our last campaign which is a much smaller campaign than this one mind you um but our, our shipping costs uh, container costs uh, doubled right uh, yeah. over and above even what we had like a couple months ago we end up eating that we didn't want to go back to the well and ask for more money um, but it is, it is crazy how fast things can change. I had this last week. We were ready to ship the one container to the UK and our freight forwarders like, sorry, the channel dried up that we were saying that on now it's like, uh, for that particular container, it's like another thousand dollars. Right. So it's, yeah. you really got to make sure you're protecting yourself. I've seen some people say, you know what, we're going to do our pledge manager closer to when we're actually fulfilling. So we can get mm -hmm. more accurate on the shipping up or down. Right. So we don't want to yeah. just pick it based on today's rates because it might be one fifth of that next year when we're actually fulfilling. And likewise, we don't want to put ourselves that we're in a risky situation where they go up. So, you know, it's always kind of that, uh, that gentle dance. So you've got a lot of projects, obviously you guys work on, you work on these big meaty projects. What's kind of next coming for you? What's next on the horizon? Yeah. So like focus is right now, well, stars of Akarios, it's, it's in mass production fulfillment. So it's interesting. My hands are kind of off. Um, of that really, really excited for people to get the game and interact when that happens. Mm -hmm. uh, Mythwind is high, kind of number one on the priority right now. Um, and then we have uh, we have a game in in the in the pipeline. Um, maybe we'll come out next year. It's it's being developed, being designed by a uh, an ex fantasy flight guy. Nice. Um, uh, one of the one of the guys who worked on um, X Wing Third Edition um, for a while. So he's he's in design, I actually just got a text message from him right now. Um, so, so you can actually let me. Uh, if you if you search up um, Max Brook, uh, M A X B R O O K E dot com, um, the babblings of Brook. Uh, you can you can check out his recent blogs. Um, oh, he's cool. blogging. He's blogging about uh, the the game that he's making. He hasn't, we haven't named it or really announced it or any of that stuff yet. So you heard it here first. <laughs> Breaking news. And if people want to follow along and be part of kind of your, you know, community that can follow along these projects as you're kind of, you know, slowly yeah. leaking them out, uh, approaching a launch, how best do they do that? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we make different communities for each of our projects. Um, and so you can eat, well, you can follow along when the projects, right? Mythwind or Stars of Vicarios or, so what, um or games.com. Do you have like a general list? Yeah. There that um, get on um games. We, yeah, we, we have a Facebook channel, um, but we really try to build up communities around our projects. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's kind of like our, our, our thing because, you know, you know, Akarius is so different than Mythwind, which will be so different than the next game. Yeah. Um, and so I love that there's a different group of people with each of those things. No, that's cool. Brennan, I can't wait to see where you guys land on this game. I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be shocking. I think the numbers you guys end up doing this, it is such a cool concept. Uh, you know, hear people talk about it at the, you know, there's this kind of almost bewilderment, but excitement and, you know, excitement around it, that, uh, I think this is something that people are going to be talking about for quite some time. So I want to wish you all the best on this campaign and, uh, hey, thanks so much. we'll get you back on the podcast for the next one. You take cool. care.
Cheers. Hey. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. Thank you.